Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Liberty Lockdown. This is Clint Russell. Thank you guys for tuning in once again. Make sure you hit that subscription button. I am joined today by Ashley St. St. Clair. Jesus, I can't believe I got that wrong on the second go. Uh, Ashley St. Clair. <laughs> she is a Babylon Bee a journalist and uh, has been at the border for the past 24 hours, at least, that I'm aware of. You're currently in Texas, correct? I am currently in Texas. I'm heading out tomorrow morning. And you've got to see it firsthand. I think, uh, as you probably are aware, I'm a libertarian. So many of my community do not pay attention to this issue. And I thought that it would be interesting to get your feedback, given that, uh, to me, it is quite clearly a crisis, a crisis that has been uh, consistent and persistent for many, many years now, but has seemed to hit a breaking point where uh, finally the blue cities are feeling it and, and people are starting to actually panic. Uh, I guess, first off, is it as bad as you expected when you got to see it firsthand? Uh, it is. I want to say, first of all, thank you for having me on, Clint. I know we got into uh, so a couple Twitter or X spats, so oh. I appreciate you taking the time and us, uh, you know, being cordial and cool. You were always very kind to me when we've uh, seen each other in person. But it, it is as bad as they're reporting and honestly worse when you see it in person and it's humanized and you see the humanitarian issue on that side too, because for the most part, what I saw was primarily men coming across, which is terrifying that there's all these war age men coming across our border illegally, but there were the women and children that I saw coming through the barbed wire, climbing over the barbed wire. Um, all of this is very much happening in these border towns and cities outside of these border towns are completely overwhelmed. When I was there, I can't tell you how many I watched cross. It was countless migrants crossing and border patrol cutting wire and letting them in because the way it is, once they're here, once they're on US soil and they're claiming asylum, we have to give them a chance. We have to process them. We have to go through all these steps, but it's absolutely horrifying to see what's actually happening and see it in person. It's a lot different than seeing it online. And I really encourage more people, more citizen journalists to go down and see what's happening at the border. I agree. And uh, it was, I don't know if it was just uh fate or if you guys planned this but elon musk was also live streaming from the board <laughs> yesterday were you down there with him no i was not there with him that was a total coincidence wow. we had planned this trip for a few weeks me and uh, my team so i went there to cover it with biz pack review uh, bpr they do a lot of my videos so we had planned this a while ago and then by happenstance elon musk happened to be there as well same exact spot in Eagle Pass, but it is because that's where really everything is happening. And as we were planning this, it's not really that much of a coincidence that he ended up at the same spot because as we were planning this and you're talking to your border contacts on where the best spot to go, everyone's saying Eagle Pass is where all of this is happening. And that shifts over the years. There's different hot spots at different times, but Eagle Pass in particular has seen so many of these migrants come across every day, sometimes hundreds, sometimes thousands every single day yeah it's wild do you know why I, I don't know if this is your you know forte but do you know why eagle pa pass is the spot i have no idea why it's the spot i'm assuming it just has to do with you know what level of security there are at certain spots how right. much you just know they're enforcing the laws yeah so i think it can be a variety of factors do you know why because uh I forget what the name of the organization is, but it was a you know Texas state level government organization that had put up the the like chicken wire or whatever you want to call it, and and then it was I think it was the actual federal border patrol that came in and cut it. 
I, when I say this, I, I mean it seriously. I, I believe that that is, uh, you know, just a, a terrible violation of states' rights for federal officials to come in and be opening up the border of a state which does not want to be open. Uh, do you know, like, is there is there a boiling conflict between the state of Texas and the feds? Because that's what there it looks is like a to standoff, me. and uh, we went there with you know we called them our Sherpa, uh, a journalist by the name of Auden, and he explained the situation to us and showed us as it was happening between Texas National Guard and Border Patrol, our federal Border Patrol. And what's happening is these migrants are not allowed to cross at certain points while Texas National Guard is there. As soon as Texas National Guard is, leaves, Border Patrol says, okay, go down to this spot and they're having them go over and, and doing nothing. And then, you know, processing them, gathering them all, putting them on buses to be processed and then shipped God knows where or released out onto the streets. And that's the reality of what's happening. That's what I saw there. And you watched when Texas National Guard was there, they were not going to a certain spot. And then as soon as Texas National Guard left, Border Patrol was telling them, go down that way, cross down that way, telling them exactly where to go, directing these migrants where to go. And the funny part was you have Border Patrol then cutting the wire open, cutting the barbed wire for these migrants open. And then as we were leaving, we never crossed over to the Mexico side, but maybe 15 minutes past Eagles Pass, they were asking us to verify our citizenship. <laughs> <laughs> and that, stopping that us. Unbelievable. And, yeah, and you would love this as a libertarian. They got mad at me. They said I, as a woman, ruined it because, you know, they're like, verify your citizenship. And they were refusing. We were refusing. Um, and they threatened to detain us over that. So, wow. you know, and I was I was the weak link who was like, we're all U.S. citizens. Please let us go. I don't have the time for this. And they just said, you know, she's going to be the weakest link and crack under pressure if you guys ever get into it. But, uh, you well, know, that's, so. That's but bizarre. It, the, the irony of, of that, you know, them having to verify our citizenship when we're obviously we all have camera equipment. I had perfect hair. Um, <laughs> verify our citizenship as if we just swam across the river. Um, and they're not doing that with these people who are coming across and yeah. hearing the, the stories from the residents as well, um, many of which are Mexican or Hispanic or, or legal immigrants themselves. And them talking about these young kids telling me that you know they have migrants coming and knocking on their door at night asking for food asking for things another young boy who was maybe 15 years old he was talking about how thankful he was that he was there one night when migrants tried to get into the car when his mother was there mm. and he was just so thankful that he was able to save his mother it's incredible man and so what did you have a chance to interview any of the texas national guard to see what their opinion of all of this is because it seems very dysfunctional and in some ways so dysfunctional that it makes you feel like it's intentional no there were some who wanted to speak to me but they're not allowed to at least that's what i was told mm. um i'm sure if i had taken more time and gone through avenues i could have talked to a supervisor but that was kind of the the situation everywhere we went um we went to the san antonio migrant resource center as well and the police out there said we can't talk to you which was incredible to me you know because the police are supposed to be serving the people but they can't talk to me i can only talk to a supervisor at the migrant resource center which wow. was absurd to me well i've i've seen footage of uh, not even Texas National Guard, but actual Border Patrol agents that are on video speaking back to their commanding officers saying, this is all crazy. Like, what are, what are we doing here? Like, the, our job is pointless. And he's right, you know, like, uh, but thanks to chain of command, I'm sure most people are biting their tongue and just going along to get along. 
do you have any idea or opinion as to where this is headed? Like, is this going to, is this resolvable? Because at this point, it seems as if the Texas National Guard, they are forced to stand down at some point, And then the Border Patrol allows people in. The, the people of America broadly don't want open borders. So our enforcement arms aren't doing it. I'm starting to get concerned that you're going to see battalions of good old boys from Texas and Arizona that just go to the border and start to do this themselves. What do you think is going to happen? I don't know, but as you see over in New York City, where I live, it's already unsustainable for many of these cities. New York City just spent a billion dollars to house migrants for three years. It's absolutely insane what's happening to all of these cities, even uh, where we were at Eagle Pass. The hospitals are overwhelmed. The resources are getting taken up. On a lot of these border towns, grocery stores end up running out of food, and they just don't have the capacity for this number of people. And in the first 20 days of September, there was 140,000 that were processed, that crossed illegally. And that's just the ones we know of, right? And that is about 6,900 a day. That is unsustainable. We cannot do this. We cannot go this way. But going there, you think, okay, we need to secure the border. Absolutely. Step one, big, beautiful wall, like Donald Trump says. Obviously, we need more resources at the border. We need more border patrol agents that are protecting the border, not allowing people in, uh, you know, instead of cutting barbed wire. But then you go down there and it, it really is difficult to watch, to see what's happening, to hear some of the stories of these people. Like I, I said, especially as a mother, you know, maybe they should just not have women at the border if we want to deal with this um, without emotion. But it, it was very difficult. And at one point, a young man, he was maybe 18 who had climbed over the barbed wire, you know, his arm is bloody. And he looked at me, he spoke some English. He's like, what do I do now? Like, can you help me? And and that's just really hard to look at and, and see yeah. people who are fleeing very, very difficult situations. I mean, we don't even have any comprehension of what these people's lives are like. And the Sherpa that was with us, he, many of these immigrants are coming from other places, not Mexico, uh, but places like Venezuela. And he was telling us that even some of the people, the well-educated people, they're making $25 a month. That is what they're making. They are starving. They are losing double-digit weights. <laughs> um, and we can't really even comprehend that the way we live here. And so to look at that and, uh, you know, I try not to use the language and the rhetoric of the left, but at, at certain times you do understand what they're saying, these points of privilege, whatever, because I, I, I've never lived like that. I've never experienced what the this immense amount of pain that you do see there. It is difficult to see. And, and how do you deal with that from a humanitarian side? But at the end of the day, letting all these people in, letting them having an open border, it's going to turn our country into these exact places that they're fleeing. So we do have to have a sense of nationalism. We do have to have border security, but there, there is a lot of pain that these people are fleeing. There is a, a lot happening that is very difficult to hear, to watch. Um, when I was interviewing these people, I had a translator. It's, it's very difficult to hear these stories. I can only imagine. And I think that's the mistake that the open borders folks make when it comes to analyzing people that want border security is like, that there's not heart behind this. Like they, I, I weep for these people genuinely, but you can't have millions coming across per month. You just can't do that. It's too, it's way too rapid. Um, and ultimately they, it's not entirely, it's just like, this is just a fact. It is not entirely people that are fleeing poverty. Like there is some, there is mm -hmm. because it, because it's so wide open. 
I mean, I'm sure you saw it. There's there's nationalities from all over the world that are coming across the border. Um, did you did you get any handle on the diverse nationalities that you saw yesterday? Yeah, I mean, I spoke to people from Ecuador, from El Salvador, from Venezuela, from Mexico. And like you said, there are a lot of very bad people coming across the border as well. Um, when you have an open border, you're going to get all of it. Um, but just in terms of if, if we don't get the full picture, we really can't address it, right? If we're not saying, hey, there's very bad people coming across, there's people with compelling stories, how do we address it? We're not having any of this open conversation because we're not really having an open discussion about what's happening at the border. Right. I don't think most Americans realize how open our border is. There's stories of people coming from you know, Ukraine and other places flying down to the southern border and then coming across because it's so easy to cross our southern border. So there's until there's honest reporting on this and we're talking about it from all sides and showing exactly what's going on, I don't think we're ever really going to have a solution. Securing the border is step one. Um, and then what? We we do have a lot of people who are here now. What do we do with them? <laughs> I don't know. Um, you know, Bill Bill Malugin has been like the only reporter I've seen on this beat consistent. I'm sure there's others, but he's been the one that I've seen the most from. Um, and it was the first time I really had any, you know, like framework of the of the breadth of the issue. You know, I just didn't know it was this big. Like it, we've always had illegal immigration. I just kind of accepted that that was the American you know, system. That's how we were going to do things. But uh, it has become it went from a, a trickle to a torrential downpour in, in the recent years. And it does seem as if there are many in the Democrat Party that that are secretly and not so secretly completely OK with this. And in fact, I think are intending to have these people come across because they give more flowery rhetoric to the immigrant communities that they're going to be their voter base moving forward. Um, do you think it's that simple? I think that's exactly what's happening, right? They want a larger voting base. They want a larger voting block. And we know this because like in cities like mine in New York City, they they did pass a bill to allow non-citizens to vote in our local oh, elections. Right. That was obviously shot down by a New York higher court, but this is their intention. They want more people here and they are giving these flowery promises because when I spoke to some of these residents, one girl in particular, she said, you know, they come here and they just expect that they're going to be taken care of and free things. This is the mindset that they're coming here with. Wow. So what the Democrats are doing has been very effective because they come here and even me at, as a journalist on the ground, they're, they're asking me like, can I have some water? Like agua, agua, you know, can you help me? They just, there's this sense that, you know, as soon as they, they come here, everything's going to be taken care of. Right. And, you know, I'm not, not to be conspiratorial either, but at the Migrant Resource Center, a lot of them have brand new iPhones and brand new things that, you know, I, I don't think you swam across the river with that. So it's it's very interesting how much we're giving away to the people who are coming here, especially in New York. You're getting free housing, free health care. There's a lot of loopholes that these migrants get to have access to that other people don't. So it's. In my especially, opinion, especially I, given how much it costs to live in New York, if you're given yes. a place to live in New York at all, you're like, wow, I'm rich. <laughs> my rent's going up because they have to give so many of the so many people can't collect rent on the, the free ones they're giving away to migrants. But right. it's again, it's a it's a very difficult situation. And the Sherpa we were without in, he. 
is living in Mexico, despite him being a United States citizen, he has to live in Mexico because his wife has still not been approved for citizenship. So our legal our the legal process to get here, we're making it so much more difficult for people to come here the right way. Even that has to be fixed. You know, a, a good person, a good journalist who's sitting there reporting on the border every day, who's a good person and a family man is now having to live in Mexico because his wife can't get approved for citizenship. And he's watching these people pour in here every day. He's covering it. And that to me is egregious. We should be ashamed of ourselves. I agree. It's, it's just so, it's so backwards, you know, like if you want to have a high functioning, you know, country, much less an economy, um, you, you have to have the intelligent, hardworking people of the world that want to participate in the opportunities that America presents, you want those people to come in. Those people, you know, they produce, they're, they're good for pretty much everybody, as long as it's, uh, you know, vetted to some extent. If you, if you keep those people out and you only allow people that are coming across out of desperation, those that, that literally get here and they look up at you with doe eyes and they say, I'm saved, give me everything that I need to live, it's like, well, you know, God bless them, but that's just not functional. That's not that yep. like you're, you're not going to have a country much longer. But we do need to we have we need to have we need to totally reform the legal immigration system. And we also really need to think about assimilation. And the Democrats True. think that's a dirty word, just like nationalism is. But there are certain principles and values that make this country a fantastic place to live and when even when they're coming here the legal way if we're not assimilating them to the the culture and the history of the united states and what it means to be an american we're going to run into a lot of problems that way as well so yes i agree we should allow hard-working good people to come here legally but we should also take more we, we should care about assimilation a little bit more than we do especially um, in regards to legal immigration, because we're still going to have that same problem. We're still going to have these these issues if the people coming here do not have the same principles as most Americans. Well, I, I think that's the problem from like it's a multifaceted problem in that you have so many people that are American born, American raised that go to academia and they don't share your and I's value system either. So when you have these immigrants coming across, they have options as to what culture they want to assimilate to. Do they want to go and, and assimilate into kind of the socialist framework where they expect there to be this enormous social safety net? Or are they coming across and modeling your and I's view where it would be you come across, you work hard, opportunities abundant, get after it. Like that's, I don't have a problem with those immigrants. Like those immigrants that come across and just grind and hustle. I'm like, yeah, you're making yourselves better. You're making this country better. You come across and you just vote Democrat and expect the government to take care of you. I don't want you here. I'm just being honest. I don't want you here. Um, so and at, at this point, it looks like the vast majority that we're permitting to come in are those that are coming from desperation as opposed to those that are, you know, high, high achieving types because the, the legal immigration system is so broken. And this is not just an American phenomenon. This is, uh, you know, Europe has been suffering this same fate for decades now, and it's become, once again, a torrential downpour. Uh, I, I hate to take it down the conspiratorial route, but did you get an opportunity to talk to anybody about, you know, funding sources where, like, who was... I would imagine to even pay these coyotes, we're talking thousands of dollars, most likely for most of these people to get ferried across or, or, you know, take trains up from Guatemala. Like there's money that has to be going into this. If you're, if you're that, you know, if you're, if you're suffering destitution to this extent, you would think it'd be very challenging to put together this type of money. Who's giving them the money? 
what that's a very interesting question that i and many other people would love to know the answer to like you said what you said is spot on a lot of them are coming on these cargo trains and just coming across close to the southern border and then going across but we don't at least i don't have a good idea of where a lot of this funding is coming from i think it's coming from a lot of different places um, but i really couldn't give you an answer but i would love to know <laughs> well, <laughs> because you're right they are you know you hear the stories and you see it and they're coming on the cargo trains or they're doing this doing that and you're like well how are you doing that if you're making 25 dollars a month yeah, um it's not possible so it's no so you know obviously or the you know that's a, that's a very long journey for a lot of these people to just make on foot um or by car or whatever so there that is a big question mark as well i can't believe we don't have an answer to this at this point it's just like <laughs> it's like we got millions and millions of people that are coming across annually and you know we have an because entire... we don't care to clint oh, I, I know. mean we, I, we I could know. have the answer if we dedicated resources to it you know right. we all know what hunter biden's penis looks like but <laughs> and all the texts he sent to joe and this and that but we don't know who's funding all these people coming across right. our border that even the residents the mexican residents are saying this is an invasion that those are their words not mine i said the migration crisis and they said it's an invasion yeah. you know we, Wait, we the, the should mexicans? be doing that the Mexicans were yes, saying Yes, the Mexican residents wow. said that this is an invasion. You know, they're having people knock on their doors and ask for food. They're having their things stolen. They're having, you know, they're being threatened. They're being uh, assaulted. It's it's a big deal. And we could get to the bottom of it. But instead, you know, we have the clown show going on in Congress and Senate and in D.C. Yeah. Well, it, that that's what concerns me about this is that there there doesn't seem to be the political will from either side of the aisle to actually address this issue. You know, there's lots of lip service given to it. Even even Trump and his build the wall stuff. You know, it, when you see the way Biden behaves with his executive orders to get everything done, everything under the sun done, unconstitutional shit, they'll do whatever they want. Uh, but there there's really been very minimal efforts even under the trump administration to actually address this issue he he brags that the immigration crisis decreased during that period but let's be honest it was because of the lockdowns and the world melting down it wasn't so much because of of uh you know border control so i don't know i don't know what it portends for the future but it seems pretty grim to me and and i'm i'm very concerned about the american people either never standing up in which case kind of the american culture degrades to a point that it's not retrievable or they rise up very aggressively and it gets very ugly very quickly. And I don't know how it plays out, but um, neither seems great to me. So I'm nervous. No, but it would be, you know, and it's difficult because I, I in the past, I worked for local elections and congressional races. And when you're doing this, a national messaging doesn't really work in a lot of places, right? You can't go and scream the same things in each district, each area, and it's going to work. But everybody should care about these issues these issues should be able you should be able to campaign on something like border security in every area and i think a lot of it is people don't see this if republicans were smart they would be running ads on this non-stop they would be funding the people who i spoke to who don't get paid to cover this they would be funding them to help them do ads and, and run this everywhere so that nobody cannot see what's happening. Right. And that's the importance of citizen journalism, because we can now, you know, I, I post it and 20 million people see it. But yeah, we, incredible. for whatever reason, the Republicans would rather run ads against Joe Biden, who can't even form a coherent sentence. They should be pouring 
all of their money into making sure everybody knows that this is happening, running yeah. compelling stories, telling a good story, putting the ethos in it, but they just don't. So most people don't care. If you go into, you know, if you're in politics, messaging, if your top issue is immigration or the border, it's just not going to work in a lot of local elections, especially the places that are far removed from the border. They don't really understand it. So I, I really think we need more education. We need more citizen journalism. And the Republican Party needs to step up if this is actually something they care about. And it's not just lip service. Yeah, well, that's my fear is that at this point, it is just lip service. And I think that replacing many of the members of the GOP is the only way that you're actually going to get this address. And I don't know if that can happen fast, you know, fast enough. It's like, this is this is urgent. It's genuinely urgent because you just can't have it. You can't have this continue for uh, if you have this continue even for another decade, it's going to be I think it'll be irretrievable at that point. Um, I'm curious, you know, you got to interact. I saw you guys interacting on X uh, last night, Elon Musk and yourself. Uh, I'm curious what what you guys talked about, if you're able to talk about your private conversations as to, you know, what you guys thought about what you were witnessing. Uh, we didn't have any private conversations about the border. He was very removed. He was on, and I was okay. on the media side. So um, it's very different. He was down there with his team. I had been exactly on the border earlier that day. But gotcha. no, we didn't. We didn't speak that day. So I, I saw I saw all of the public conversations, but he. He just kept basically, you know, doubling down and reinforcing your take. So it seems as if you had very similar experiences while you were there. Um, like think... I said, going there and see... oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, please. I was going to say once you once you see it, I, I wish more people could see what's happening because even me, someone who's been to the border, not necessarily when people were crossing, and I've been speaking about this issue for a long time. It was nothing compared to watching them cross, speaking to these people, seeing what's actually happening right there, seeing them cross the barbed wire, seeing Border Patrol cut the wire. It's There's nothing like actually seeing it there. Here, I'm going to run a just a 20 second clip from yesterday. Active crossing. They put over blankets, towels, shirts, This is the same. It's actively happening. Plenty of children, uh, babies, and they're just super excited celebrating to cross over. You've got DPS that comes over. Today's episode with Ashley St. Clair is brought to you once again by NadeauShaveCo.com. That's N-A-D-E-A-U ShaveCo.com. Promo code LOCKDOWN. Pick up the best razor in the game. I use it. I love it. It's single blade, pure stainless steel. This thing is rad. Minimize ingrown hairs, razor burn, and irritation with their 100% recyclable, plastic-free razors. Veteran-owned, family-operated these are legitimate, high quality, the highest quality razor I have ever owned, and I'm not exaggerating. N-A-D-E-A-U, shaveco.com, promo code LOCKDOWN. Enjoy your shave. Quite a madhouse. <laughs> I, I, and I'm sure that was not the biggest wave that you saw while you were down there, or was it? I'll just ask. No, no, there were more that came down. And as soon as you thought they were done, then another line of them comes and they'd run to one part. Border Patrol would tell them, direct them to go down towards where I uh, had filmed that video. But you're watching them throw the blankets over the barbed wire and nobody's doing anything. Border Patrol's not doing anything. They're just letting them throw the blankets over the barbed wire and letting them climb over. Yeah. It, but so this is what I've said for a long time we should send our politicians to the barracks like they're serving in the military at this point you want to serve our country you want to be in office you want us to give you 175 thousand dollars a year in our taxpayer dollars 
and you're sitting here doing news hits and doing your own shows and podcasts and this and that and pretending like you're actually doing something and telling Americans about what's actually happening, they should be put in solitary confinement so they figure out what the hell is going on, not only at the border, but everywhere else in our country. They don't seem to care. They're not doing their job. I don't think if, if they were, if that was an employee at a company, if this was a company, most of these people would be fired. Yeah. Well, they should should have been long ago. But you're <laughs> you're you're absolutely right. It's bizarre because you have you know congressional members who seem to be saying the right things on this issue, but then they have like they have podcasts and they go on on you know TV and they'll talk about it. But then when it comes to voting time, like yeah, sure. I mean, I guess they'll cast their vote in the direction that's probably the way we'd like to see things go. But it's not getting it done. And and I guess. I guess the issue is, or, you know, in their defense, I'm sure they would say, like, we don't have the numbers, you know, like, there's this Freedom Caucus of 20 people, and, and that's it. And then everybody else is kind of like a coin flip in the GOP. Democrats vote in lockstep against any of this stuff. I, I'm curious if there's any, like, it doesn't seem to me as if even for a Democrat uh, politician that this would be just a, I guess it, I guess it is, but I, I don't know. Do you have any opinion as to like, are the, are the voters, are the Democrat voters ever going to wake up to how dangerous this is? Because you, you're in New York. I'm sure most of the people there are like, this is fucking crazy. They are even a lot of the Democrats now are like, this is unsustainable. They're waking up to it. You saw Merrick Adams, who is a Democrat who two years ago was touting that we're a sanctuary city is now saying this is unsustainable. So, and, and that happens from seeing the, the effects of this. And like I said, there needs to be more coverage on this. More people need to see the effects of it. And again, I wish we could just lock all these politicians in a room until they figure it out. Yeah. This is absurd that they're going around and <laughs> when the Lauren Boebert situation happened, right? My my opinion of that whole thing was why the hell do any of our members of Congress have time to go see a show? When when there is a crisis at the border, people can't afford to feed their families. People don't know when they're going to work. They can't afford their rent, their mortgage. Our rates are skyrocketing. And these people are going to the theater? Yeah. Well, and, and we're on the precipice of uh, World War III with the largest nuclear power on Earth. It's like... Yeah, I'd like to see you guys actually, I mean, but they, they went on a fucking couple week vacation it, right during the, the teeth of things. And now now they're, they're you know, uh, floating the idea of a, of a shutdown. And I'm, you know, as a libertarian, I'm fine with that. But uh, it's it really just it's just so it's becoming more and more transparent what a show all of this is that it's just not there's just not people up there. At least there's not a, nearly enough people up there that actually care about these issues and want to see them fixed. Um, do you think that the the uh, you know the groundswell of Democrats in New York that are realizing how how insane and unsustainable this is that they will actually vote out you know Adams and Hockle and all these people or is it not enough? You know it's it's difficult to say because if it got worse if it gets to the point that it's affecting everybody in New York sure but you know I think they'll maintain it enough so that they don't lose that voter base because uh, at the yeah. end of the day the ideology of the left they they're in a cult uh, and many on the right are too but True. it's very they cannot step outside of those ideological bounds even the, the people i know who are leftists and they believe things they might even be more conservative in more ways than not 
they are terrified to say anything because it leads to loss of opportunities, loss of job, loss of this, loss of that, you know, then especially in places like New York City, it's your communities. Um, and as a mother, you know, you try to join a mom's group and they're talking about masking 20 month olds. So, oh, but, but on the still? flip side of that, yeah. <laughs> so on the flip side of that, it's, it's like, if you're a, a lefty, and you're a mother and you have a family and you have this community and you come out as normal or a right winger, <laughs> then it's you you lose all that for not only yourself, your kids. And so it's a lot for these people to grapple with. Not that I excuse it. I think they really should have more of a backbone, but I, I can understand it. Sure. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. But it's just very frustrating because, you know, I know I know to even give any lip service to the border at all you are immediately viewed as like a racist. Like that's, that's, I know that's how people in California felt. I'm sure it's the same thing in New York and it's just not reality. Like the, there's just, there is this, this issue that I'm starting to see where it's like our, our sentimentality or at least the, the virtue signaling around our sentimentality has the, has the potential to actually destroy this nation at this point. Like it, yes, it, it already really is Clint. It already yeah. is. And like I said, if you make it too big to ignore, you have to show what people what's going on. That's why it's incredible that Elon went down there and yeah, showed such a massive amount of people what was happening. Really didn't even get political about it. He was just like, hey, what's up? I'm here. Look at what's going on. <laughs> and that was enough to throw them into a tailspin. And you know what that tells me? That tells me that if enough people see what's going on in the border, they're screwed and they yep. will care. But the problem is, they're when they are showing border coverage, they're only showing the mother and children, which is happening. It's very sad, but that's all they're showing. You know, they're not showing the devastating effects of this on many other lives and, and everybody else. And speaking to it was funny when as soon as Elon arrived, there were hordes of kids from like 12 to 20 who ended up showing up and they're waiting. And I was interviewing some of them and each one of them. I'm like, why are you here? They're like to see Elon Musk. And they were Wait, so these excited. Are the immigrants or the American kids? The, the residents, um, okay. most of them who were Hispanic or Mexican or whatever, the residents of this town. And they were so excited. And when I spoke to them, what they said was, they felt hopeful. They're like, you know, we're tired of politicians coming here. It's really cool that there's a celebrity or someone who can really show what's happening to our town. This really doesn't happen to us. No one like this has ever come here and the politicians don't do anything. And you're hearing this from kids. Yeah. One was a second grade school teacher who told me her, her kids are asking about it, asking about the migrants coming. Like, when are the migrants going to stop coming? And so they are hopeful. This next generation is hopeful that if enough eyeballs see what's happening, something will change. So again, I think we need more citizen journalism and we need to pour vast amounts of money into making sure people see this. The Republican Party has been so useless. But if we want people to care, let's make sure they can't not see it. Right. Well, because if if people actually see it, then it highlights their failures. So they're not they're not, uh, you know, incentivized to actually show the American people how how dire this situation is. And let me take a second to uh, preach to my open borders libertarians audience. This is going to crush any hope you will ever have of there actually being open borders in this country. If you if you allow this to kind of fester in a way that that makes that radicalizes people and makes them totally nationalistic and, and want to have no immigration because that like it's going to flip to the other side eventually because you've seen it in uh, I think it's Poland or 
maybe it's Hungary. I don't know. One of the Eastern Bloc nations that has zero immigration. Like they're just like, we don't want anybody new. And that's kind of that's kind of where we're headed. If this isn't if it's not managed in, in any way at all, it's just pure chaos. It's kind of the worst aspects of chaos where it's like uh, anarcho tyranny in that you have the state that's sitting there. You have the actual you know, Texas state representatives. So they, they're, they're trying to address it, but then they, they clock off for the day. And then you have the feds come in and go like, fuck you guys. We're going to, we're going to just let these people in. Do you think that the, uh, why, why are the feds letting them in? I don't understand. Do you know? Because those are, those are their orders. <laughs> yeah. But, but like, do, is that like a, is that like a Biden administration order? Is it a congressional So no, one? I think it actually, it has really nothing to do with Biden, though Biden could do something if he wanted to. What happens is as soon as they're on U.S. soil, which they technically are right there, they you we have to quote unquote give them a chance if they're asylum seekers. And so many of these people are, or at least they're claiming to be. Many people will say they're from a, you know, a country that is has a proclivity for more asylum seekers, but we have to give them a chance. That's our law. Once they're here, we have to give them a chance and process them and see what's going on. Uh, but what's yeah. happening is we're doing that and then we're letting them out onto the streets yeah. and we're shipping them all over and they and we never, fl we fly them to places. I mean, it's, it's yes. Wild. And I saw it and you, you, when I was interviewing people at the migrant resource center in San Antonio, one woman told me she was being sent to New York. Another person showed us documents with a court date in Arizona in 2024. So now he's he's waiting here. He's right. waiting in the United States in San Antonio for till next year, trying to figure out how he's going to work and do these things and, and make it till 2024 when they figure out what to do with him. Right. So he's not going home. I mean, he's going no. to... No. And, and by the time he's been here for a year and he's basically, he has a court date. So any, any sort of police that encounter him in the interim are going to be like, eh, you know, we can't do anything about it. So he's going to create a life here. And by the time yep. he's created a life here, he's going to be here for the rest of his life. And, you know, or he's just going to have a baby and then, then they can't kick him out. Then it's an anchor baby. And there you go. Yeah. But you, you know, and, and like you said, we do have to get a handle on this and I'm, I'm more on the same page with you like hey you know if you want to come here and be a good american be an american right then you should be able to come here legally legally mm -hmm. through a good process but we do see this um very hard stance immigration rising but at yeah. the same time you know that is I, I think it's unfair the way those people are talked about as well because america's oh, I, really I the only country that is not allowed to have a sense of nationalism right. and they they made nationalism a dirty word we're the only country called racist for wanting a border despite us funding borders for everybody else except our you know our own japan is essentially a cultural and ethnic homogeny and there's no problem there but for some but reason you know we spent, people we spent in america almost, we spent almost 200 billion dollars defending ukraine's border and we can't we can't get yep. five billion for our own i mean it's just so obvious what our what our actual intentions are from the federal government level. Uh, and it's totally separated from, I think, what most Americans actually want to see in their country. But you're right. It has been, uh, you know, it has become very taboo to be nationalistic. And, and for the record, even though I am a libertarian and I'm not really a nationalist, what we're talking about is globalism. I mean, if you have no borders, that is globalism. And if you start to turn over your, uh, you know, turn over your decision making to the UN or NATO or any of these like multinational kind of globalist organizations, well, then your government becomes less and less important and less and less powerful. And it's like, 
I don't really want to, there to be a, a powerful federal government. I don't really want there to be hard, ironclad borders on America. But if the alternative is a globalist system where I just have a flood of illegal immigrants and chaos, well, then obviously nationalism is preferable to globalism, correct? I mean, I would think so. I don't know. We're just going to, I mean, at that point, if you let everybody in and it's, we're just going to become the Tower of Babel at that point. Yeah, yeah. Genuinely. Well, I, 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 <laughs> I think we are. We are definitely looking at Armageddon on, on many fronts. Uh, we're almost out of time. I, uh, I really do appreciate you joining me this evening, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of your time in Texas, and I hope that your son grows up not to be a socialist, Ashley. <laughs> Thank you, Clint. I do want to ask you, though, and I want to clarify since, you know, we went back and forth on, on <laughs> X about this. My issue is not with you. Sometimes I just wish people would, you know, you say, well, you failed as a parent if your child becomes a socialist. But I know so many really good parents and really good people whose kids do go that way just because sure. the world sucks, because we have a terrible society. And, right. you know, nobody is too good to be influenced by people. You know, we all are in more ways than, than not. And so, I, I, you know, I think, but I, think... I also think we need to we need to arm parents how do we tell parents to prevent their children from becoming socialists how exactly. how do we do that and i would love if you would speak to that and and post some things about how parents can prevent their children from becoming socialists well i, you I know? mean uh, since we have one more minute i'll just recap it <laughs> briefly but i think that you know, it's not a nice thing to say, but I think, and really I was speaking for myself, not so much for everybody else on earth. Um, but I feel like once I have kids, if my kids grow up to be socialists, I will have failed. Like that's how I will feel about yeah. it. And, and the, the fix to it is that you're gonna have to be very attentive and public school is probably not on the table. And uh, you know, uh, university life where you send them to NYU or whatever is probably not on the table. It's going to require uh, far more guidance than I think most people are giving their kids these days. And that's, that's uh, you know, it's a much deeper rooted issue than it is just like, oh, I want to make it taboo to have your kid become socialist. No, I want, I want more people to be more involved in their child rearing, uh, you know, life. And a lot of that has to do with, I think this is where the libertarian ideology comes into play is that the inflationary pressure that we're dealing with is forcing po both parents into the workforce, which makes it very challenging for us to be as attentive as we would like to. We then turn to public school and we rely on them to actually raise our children. The public school teachers are almost all lefties. So you end up, you know, being your kid ends up being raised by a lefty. So it's, you know, anyways, I do think you're I do think you're going to be a fantastic dad one day. And what I oh, will say you. when, when we have influence and, you know, you and I both have influence and that's such like a weird thing. It's very weird. <laughs> the modern area of influence and followers and people look at me. Um, the me generation, it's very strange having an audience and then also watching yourself as an audience member. But yes, I think we have totally a response. <laughs> we have a responsibility really to arm people with that information, like you just said, and extrapolate on those issues, extrapolate yep. on why public schools are going to turn your kids into commies. Not, not jokingly, that's genuinely what's yep. happening. We have a responsibility to extrapolate on those issues and arm people with the information that's going to prevent those outcomes it just Agreed. in my opinion no no i couldn't i i think you and i actually see this very similarly we you know i'm just tweeting vitriolically <laughs> um but I, you just I, want I, that ad reply money <laughs> no I, I ain't getting shit i got 45 bucks today so i i'm, I'm sure it's a, a fraction of the the behemoth that is the ashley st Clair account go ahead and tell people where they can follow you support your work everything else 
You can find me on X at St. Clair Ashley, and you can check out the Babylon Bee. We have a new book called The Guide to Gender. You can find out if you're a man or a woman, maybe something else, pansexual. Um, so you can get that on Amazon. We're trying to hit the bestseller charts. I, uh, don't, I'm not a fan of Amazon, but um, you can get it there or on our website. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ashley, and uh, I hope you marry Elon Musk and you have 15 kids. <laughs> Thank you so much, Clint. You are going to be a fantastic dad. And thank you for having me on. Well, thank you again. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Ashley St. Clair. Uh, she's obviously putting her money where her mouth is. She was down at the border. You guys can check out her X account to see uh, more footage. I think they're going to be putting out additional like, long form footage, maybe even a documentary about her experience there. It is a, it's a catastrophe on many levels, humanitarian, even if you view it from the immigrant side, I think it's a, a catastrophe. You have people that are dying as they attempt to get across. And um, ultimately, I think that there's there's this belief from much of the rest of the world that our borders are open, that if you show up at our borders, we're going to let you in and we're going to take care of you. And while that is a very nice humanitarian perspective to have, it is not sustainable when you're sitting on $33 trillion in debt you have a military industrial complex, which is also the biggest problem and has to be diminished. But the truth is we can't do any of it. Okay. That's, this is the pragmatic approach to why I am so concerned about this issue is that it will ultimately collapse our system. And if you're a collapsitarian, okay, you can cheer that on if you like, but if you want there to be a collapse, both economically and uh, it's, it's really going to be civilizational collapse at that point. And I don't think anybody, even those that want to see the federal government come crashing down, want to see civilization also come crashing down. And I think that's where we're headed uh, because you just can't have tens of millions of people that are flooding into your country without any documentation, particularly after, you know, 30, 40, I mean, even longer, decades and decades of military intervention abroad, you have a lot of people across the world that do not like us, and you're going to have an uptick at some point in terroristic activities. Uh, the, the vast, vast majority of people coming across the border are great people, and I'm sure the vast majority of them are also very hardworking and family-oriented and will eventually become and embrace the American way of life. The reality is, though, if you allow tens and tens of millions you're going to have 10 million or more that do not share our values and ultimately do not want to uh, you know, be, become acclimated to our, our way of life, our culture, our worldview, our, our work ethic, everything else. So I think that there needs to be a balance found and this is not it. This is not it. So wherever you come down on this, uh, on you know, whichever side of the debate you come down on, I hope that this gave you a little bit more insight as to how severe it is. And I hope that you guys will at least give it more of your attention and, and come to some sort of conclusion as to how you want to see this address, because this ain't it. Whatever, whatever this middle ground is where we don't have open borders, but we certainly don't have closed borders. And you, but you have a flood of people that are coming across that ain't sustainable. I think that's fair to say, if anybody thinks it is, go ahead and comment down below and you tell me why this is a good thing. Why this is, this is exactly what we ought to be doing. Cause I, for the life of me, I can't even begin to formulate an argument that this is actually how we ought to be handling things. It seems totally suicidal. That's my two cents. If you guys agreed, hit the like button. If you disagreed, hit the like button anyways, because Ashley was on and she's nice. <laughs> uh, make sure you subscribe, share it around, clip it, post it, uh, you know, do whatever you can. I'm a boomer. I can't figure all this stuff out. Appreciate you guys. And I will catch you next week. Uh, by the way, Ashley St. Clair and I, 
amongst many others, Luke and Tim and Josie and a whole bunch of people will be at Tim Cass IRL Miami live. I think it's October 6th through the 8th and there's a handful of tickets left. So if you guys are interested, come out and uh, I'd love to meet you. That's it. I'll see you guys soon. Peace. Welcome to Liberty Lockdown. Please scan your barcode. Your liberty ain't gone, but yeah, it's on hold. Where did it come from and where did it go?